It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Who they think you're going to beat them Bengals? It is the Locked On Bengals podcast with your hosts Joe Goodberry and Jake Lisko. Find us on Twitter at Joe Goodberry and at Jake underscore NFL. Please like, subscribe, and share as we try to grow this community and pump out daily Bengals content just for you. What up, Bengals fans, and welcome to another episode of the Lockdown Bengals podcast. As Joe mentioned yesterday, I was away partying all weekend. I'm very tired, but Joe is here to carry the show. Are you here to carry the show, Joe? Sure, if you need me to. I don't know. Do people like me hosting? I don't know. Did you guys like Joe hosting? Hello? (laughs) No, that's nobody. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, where's our live studio audience when you need them? So today we're going to get into the interior offensive line. Joe did tackles yesterday. We'll talk about those prospects and what that looks like for the future for the Cincinnati Bengals today. And I think this one will be pretty interesting. I think that there are some variables here and it could go in a number of different directions. And then we'll get into mock draft Tuesday. We're we're late, but we'll catch up and we're going to... Talk about uh, Benjamin Solak mock draft that went up on the Draft Network as well with an interesting trade-up possibility. But first, the interior offensive line in our off-season outlook series. Let's go. The interior offensive line gives probably the most opportunity for discussion, for disagreement, for volatility for the Bengals offense going into this off-season where they brought in John Miller last year to play at right guard. He was serviceable. They've extended Trey Hopkins, so the center position is the one place where you think they just paid Trey Hopkins big money. He's going to play there. And then at left guard, they just drafted Michael Jordan. He got to play at the end of the year, but that was a real carousel, and I could see this being a training camp battle for both guard positions. I agree with that. I think they wanted more out of John Miller last year, and he may be their best guard right now, and that's maybe not saying much because guard is their weakest position on the entire offense. So what do they do? How do they attack this? And they've pretty much looked at it in every way. They've drafted two guys because I'm counting Billy Price in there, one in the fourth round, one in the first round with Michael Jordan being the fourth rounder. They dipped into free agency with John Miller, and they've allowed a career developmental guy to take his reins as a starter and Trey Hopkins at center. So they've exhausted all options, and they're still weak. I think the one area where they could really make a splash 
if they want to go that way in free agency, and I think we all want them to, would be to go out and sign a big-time left guard. We've talked, of course, about Joe Tooney being the primary target at guard. And there's some really great clips of him out there on Twitter as he's emerged as a premier free agent. He's got a great ability to move in space. He'll get to the second level, I think, really well and consistently. He's just been an improving player every year, an incredibly consistent player. And the only question for him, we're not going to talk about him too much because we're focusing on the Bengals' outlook here, is how he will survive without Dante Scarnecchia, who he will no longer have, even if he stays in New England. So there may be some depth guys that we should consider at least. Right now, Fred Johnson's listed as a guard on the Bengals' website. Could he be in the competition spot? If he's not in a competition or doesn't win the right tackle job against Bobby Hart, could he fight for left or right guard? I think there's a chance there if you're trying to get your best five onto the field. And then Alex Redman, who did get some starting snaps last year and then ended up on IR, he is a restricted free agent. I expect the Bengals to at least tender him at his original offer, which uh, should be pretty cheap, and that at least solidifies the back end of it. I, I think this is a position a lot of people are expecting a tackle to be drafted at some point. I think it could be a guard first. Maybe it's a tackle that can play guard early. Yeah, I think that's a really interesting possibility, right, is find the guy who you think can play tackle and give him the old Andrew Whitworth path to success, start him inside at guard where they need the immediate help. So who are some guys in the draft that fit that mold that are going to be powerful enough to play inside from the get-go, but have the athletic upside to play outside as well? And Mekhi Becton isn't an answer, right? Because he's going to be long gone, even if you think his size could fit inside. Take a guy like Josh Jones out of Houston, who's listed at 6'5 and 3'10. There's conflicting reports whether he has 33-and-a-half-inch arms or 32-inch arms. That's important because a lot of times these tackles will get kicked inside once we get official measurements at the combine. If they have sub-34, it starts to get a little tricky. If they have sub-33, they're definitely getting kicked inside. And at that point, you can find some value from these guys in round two. Maybe tackles that were supposed to go in round one or even uh, top of round two start to fall on day two. And an example of this just last year, Jonah Williams, whose arms measured at 33 and a half inches, ends up being picked outside of the top 10. And he's the consensus top tackle from last year's draft class. Looking forward to his return, of course, outside. But the only other big talking point for the interior guys for the Bengals is, will Billy Price ever live up to his first round draft billing? And barring that, because at this point, living up to a first round draft pick looks unlikely can he at least be a viable player in the nfl this has got to be a make or break year for him that would be such a huge boost and it's funny because i think if he's just healthy at the very least that'll at least give him a shot right he hasn't been healthy yet in the first two years especially in camp and that's when you're developing your skills uh, just get him there, get him healthy, and get, let him compete for a job. It's going to be a much different situation for him not walking in as a starter this camp. Maybe that lights the fire again in him. We won't figure that out before the draft or free agency, but if it does happen, a welcome surprise at this point, I guess you would say. We'll have to wait and see how all that shakes out this summer. But we told you at the top of the show that we would get into some mock draft stuff today, and we'll get there get into it, including this latest Joe Burrow news, 
I don't even want to call it that. We'll get there in a minute. Want to go see your Cincinnati Reds this spring during spring training? Well, Arizona is a great place to go, not only see baseball, but to see everything else. And if you go down there and go down for the Cactus League, they've got 10 stadiums, 15 MLB teams, 75-degree temperatures. All 10 stadiums are in the greater Phoenix area within 50 miles. Yeah, you can go down and see your Reds in Goodyear Park down there. Or maybe, we've talked about it before, you're into the craft beer. They've got Four Peaks, Angel's Trumpet Ale House, Goldwater Brewing Company, all known for great beer. Or maybe you're into hiking. Maybe you want to get out in the desert for the numerous national parks down there. Go up to the Grand Canyon. And if you do the canyon, make sure you bring enough water because it's the way back. Unlike most hikes, that's challenging. It's easy going down, hard coming up. Kind of the opposite of the Bengals. We had a hard time with this bad year, and we're going to come up next year. So go on down to Arizona. Take yourself a little spring break. Plan your getaway at visitarizona.com slash spring training. If you've been a listener of the Lockdown Bengals podcast, you've heard the great advertisers like Abco Safety, Tourism Arizona, and the Epic Hotel down in Miami who have worked with us to reach Bengals fans. We are a great way for you to reach out and get in touch with local podcast listeners. Our local Locked On podcast listeners, predominantly a male audience, well-educated, and most importantly, they have disposable income money to spend. So if you want to connect with Bengals fans to come make some purchases from your local business, We have an opportunity right now for you. Text the word advertising to 33777 or visit LockdownPodcast.com slash advertising and let us know who you are. We'll get our team to help your team achieve Locked On advertising success. Once again, text the word advertising to 33777 or visit LockdownPodcast.com slash advertising. We look forward to hearing from you. And it's Mock Draft Monday on a Tuesday. And I think the discussion here, Jake, for the first time during Mock Draft Monday, because we've, we've kind of bantered this around a little bit, um, is Joe Burrow and the continued national narrative of, does he want to play for the Bengals? And every time, I mean, how many times does he have to answer the question until we just look for the one answer that is, oh, the, this one isn't as decisive. This is it. He doesn't want to play for him. And do we consider that at all when we're making this pick, number one? I mean, you and I, and how do you feel about it at this stage? I don't, and I don't look forward to this going through the same cycle that we just saw from the Dan Patrick stuff where we're going to take one quote and somebody's going to write about it. Say Yahoo's going to write about it because everyone's going to report on this in the next 24 hours. Somebody's going to pick it up and they're going to say, Oh, PFT already has. So PFT is the first one. PFT picks up this quote from, what was it? A Dallas Fort Worth, the Fort Worth Star Telegram, where Joe Burrow was accepting an award, Davey O'Brien Award. Yep. Uh, Okay. So he's down there and he says, if they select me, they select me, which is a small snippet of a bigger quote that's printed in in this uh, Mac Engel piece and I, I don't know who mac engel is but he, he writes for the fort worth star telegram he's an adjunct professor at smu and you know i, I think he's an ex-bengals fan if if i if i read the replies correctly 
because you read his piece and he clearly has an agenda. He's like, if you get picked first overall, you're really excited. But if you get picked by the Bengals, you know, every former player will tell you that's a terrible experience. And obviously that's not true. So there's an agenda from the start, right? And he, and he isolates that part of the quote. And then he's, he's down there accepting the award. So he's going on some radio shows. And, then, and now we have his mom saying the same thing his dad has said. We don't know where this is coming from. This is insane. And, and then he goes on a radio show and he says, it's an interesting thought going back to Ohio. It would be a lot of fun. All right. So there's two, two affirmatives. You got his mom. You have himself saying it would be fun to go back to Ohio. And then mm-hmm. you, you go back to PFT's own post from January where he says, I'll play for anyone who pays me to play the game of football. And but, I also think you need to listen to some of Joe Burrow's interviews and things. I'm, I wonder how many of these people have, you know, when I was excited about Burrow and as everyone was in November, December, January, I was consuming anything I could, uh, Joe Burrow. And I would listen to a lot of his interviews, a lot of his, you know, uh, at the podium type questionnaires. And he's, he, the way he answers questions isn't like everyone else. So for, for him to say, if they take me, they take me. That's him having the confidence of he thinks he's going to be successful anywhere he goes. At least that's my interpretation of it because he kind of answers questions like everything else doesn't matter. Almost like he feels there's some divine fate that it doesn't matter. He's going to outwork. He's going to be successful. He's going to do what his part no matter what. And I think that's how it should be looked at because that's just that's the feeling I get whenever he answers questions. And to me, this is confidence without hubris. This is much less uh, gaudy. I can't think of the word I want. It's not as overstated as it was with, say, Baker Mayfield coming out. Because as soon as he was connected to the Browns, he was asked about it. And he said, I would love to be drafted by the Browns. If anyone can turn that organization around, it's me. Right. So yeah. instead, you get from Joe Burrow, if they take me, they take me. Right. right. And I'm, I'm, I'm going to do go. my thing anywhere. Exactly. Uh and he said before, like anyone who's going to pay me to play football, I'm going to, and, and he did say, you're right. He did say, I'm going to do everything in my power to be the best football player I can. And he's not saying anything about Cincinnati. He's just sick of being asked a question, right? So at some point we're going to get, somebody's going to ask him the question. He's going to be like, sure. He's going to shrug his shoulders. He's going to say it just as dismissively as I just said it. And everyone's going to pick it apart. And it's going to be because, and this is Cat Terrell's point. She said she she chimed in on Twitter today. She came back and got in on the conversation. She's like, somebody's just going to say sure, and everyone's going to pick it apart. Mm-hmm. And I I just don't want to see this go through the same echo chamber of you know starting in Dallas, going to PFT. Now Barstool's going to pick it up, and be like PFT's report, and then Dan Cilio is going to come out and say some bullshit that he doesn't that he's going to make something else up, and, and it's just going to keep going. And I had a moment with Mike Freeman of the Bleacher Report today, and I would expect he's going to write something too. But, um, you know, he he's like, this could get really interesting. And I'm like, what's he supposed to say? He's saying, you ask any player, did you talk to this team at the Combine? Did you talk to them at senior? What do you think if you were drafted by the Oakland Raiders or the LA Raiders? That'd be great. Sure, yeah. If they pick me, that'd be cool. I mean, like, that's all they say. They, they don't say anything more than if they pick me, I can't really control it. That's where I'll go play. And 
Um, I, I say this to Freeman, like, what do you expect him to say? And he goes, I expect him to say that the Bengals are a dumpster organi- dumpster fire or a trash organization because that would be telling the truth. And I'm like, that's just that's just silly. Is that the agenda here? Is we want to hear him say it for what? How does that help him in any scenario? And lo- the last point to this too is why this why ultimately it's not going to happen because the Bengals will pick him. Number one, number two, he will be 24 at the end of his rookie year. If he sits out a year under the Bengals' control and wants to be a 25-year-old rookie that's drafted behind Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields, which could very well be if he hasn't played in a year, that's not going to help him at all. That does nothing for him. He'll get drafted by the Bengals. He will play for the Bengals. We don't have to worry about it. And with our first pick in our mock draft, we are taking Joe Burrow. Yeah, because he would have to come out and literally say, I don't want to play for the Bengals for us to move off this. It, it, right. would, it would take him making that, that comment that Mike Freeman mm-hmm. saw. And Freeman has a, has a, I think he has a thing with the Bengals. And, and I don't, I try not to throw that around, but he's come after the Bengals a few times. And, and every national writer has a thing with the Bengals, right? And I guess we just need to accept that at this point because they've been losing for four years. So we still picked Burrow number one in our draft network mock simulator today. And as we read through the rest of the results in the first round, one that stands out is Kenneth Murray at 28 to the Ravens because of course, but Patrick Queen at 24 to the Saints as well. And if you check out the draftnetwork.com, Benjamin Solak just posted a mock draft that had the Bengals trading back up into the first round to get a linebacker. And this is after the Ravens. The Ravens have picked a wide receiver in Ben Solak's version of the mock. And they've traded their fifth round pick, number 129 overall, to move up four spots from 33 to 29 in the first round. And they picked Patrick Queen there. And I I just have such mixed feelings about picking a linebacker at this part of the draft. On the one hand, Patrick Queen looks like a great athlete, looks like he has a supreme ceiling, and actually looks like he could step in and play his rookie year right away without much seasoning because he's done everything at LSU. Whereas Kenneth Murray, I'm not asking him to drop into a deep cover two zone his rookie year. But it's a linebacker. Yeah, that's the part, right? It's the value. But giving up a fifth-round pick, what is that actually worth? A 12% hit rate, maybe? And... I think that's worth it to give it up and go up because there's a clear gap on the next guy. The next guy in the sport here would be Zach Bond, who I like but don't love at 33. So what's the difference between those two linebackers? I think that gap is more than a fifth-round pick. I would gladly pay that to move up. Now, especially with the way the board falls here too, right, as we're sitting here at 33, and the best guys are, again, running backs or maybe wide receiver with Justin Jefferson, Jalen Rager, T. Higgins, guys I would consider. But – as we get closer to this, I'm like, I'm not sure the Bengals take a receiver at this spot if they really feel they're going to extend A.J. Green. I'm looking more at defensive back because linebacker I don't think is is a right fit unless one of these guys blows up the combine. And then, you know, does that mean safety or corner? And, man, I, I see Jeff Gladney just went, and he's been a guy that I've recently really, really fallen for mm-hmm. as I've gotten to see him more and more. I remember reading about him, seeing some of his production, and then now that I've watched some tape, I'm like, whoo. That's a guy at 33 that I would love. Yep. No question. I still want to point out, going back to the Queen thing, it's not just a, a fifth-round pick that you're giving up to go get him, though, right? You're giving up your second-round pick, too. Sure, and, of course. You're using your second-round pick and your fifth-round pick on a linebacker. And that second-round pick this year is, as, as you just mentioned, the end of the first round. So, you know, 
in, in this case, we haven't had the faller that we would really love. But I agree with you. At this point, if I'm looking at defense, I'm considering uh, where I go first. And this is because I'm indoctrinated by PFF for positional values. I'm looking at a secondary player first because I think they're going to have the biggest impact on your defense in the modern NFL. And that means you have to beat Patrick Mahomes. In the AFC, you have to go through Patrick Mahomes to win a Super Bowl. And I'm not sure there's anybody that... I don't know. I don't know how you do that, right? You you, mm-hmm. you got to score more points. So maybe that maybe that's an argument to take, you know, KJ Hamler here and just find a guy who can play outside. But right. if, if you're the Bengals, you're going with a more traditional. I'm going to build my defense. Well, the guys that have been talked about lately, da- Damon Arnett is picking up a ton of steam in social media. But there are some some red flags that need to be considered for him. But looking at the safeties here, that's where I'm going. I'm looking at Ashton mm-hmm. Davis and Antoine Winfield Jr. I was just going to, I wanted to cut in that whole time and say, I'm closer and closer to Antoine Winfield. When we first did our mock draft Monday to kick off the off season, we had him in the, he was in the fourth round range. I remember talking about him saying, oh man, this guy's really good. And he's flying up board. seems like everyone's talking yeah. to him. To now I'm at the point where I'm like 33 is not out of the range for Antoine Winfield Jr. Ball skills can play all over the secondary. If Darquez Denard wants to leave and go somewhere else or he gets an offer somewhere, Winfield can be your nickel corner and safety guy. He can be your Tyron Matthew, but I also think he has high-end free safety ability. And I know the Bengals typically play with a single safety uh, in the middle of the field, but what this also does by drafting another safety that can play your nickel and also help and go into the back half is it helps Sean Williams also. He can play more linebacker. You can do more three safety stuff. It brings more versatility in the back half of this defense. And they were already pretty versatile in the front half last year. I think this completes it and allows them to be more fluid at all positions. And I think that the you also have to think about Ashton Davis for a lot of the same reasons. He's another guy who I think is going to pick up steam as we get closer to the draft. He is going to be a pretty good athlete. And mm-hmm. I think that testing will really uh, differentiate these guys a little bit potentially in terms of getting mm-hmm. them to the top of the second round. And and then Damon Arnett, the other guy I talked about, really talented player at corner, but it does sound like, and I don't know the specifics on any of this, but it sounds like there are some character questions. And I think we're going to have to wait for more to come out on that because I'm sitting here looking at, the scouting report and, and Kyle Krabs doesn't have anything mm-hmm. on on his red flags and Joe Marino doesn't have any red flags on him. But uh, I think it was Dane Brugler or, or maybe it wasn't Dane Brugler, but somebody, one of the guys of Dane Brugler's level said, I really like this guy. And then, you know, you start to look into his off field. The other cornerback name here, Trayvon Diggs, mm-hmm. uh, who I had assumed would be a first rounder for quite some time is, is somebody that I'm considering as well. Yeah, he seems to be falling back just a little bit. Uh, I think we're at the same point where offensive line seems to be um, just, I, you know, I don't love any of these guys at 33. I think the value is going to be in the third round. Yeah. I think second round is pointing more and more to defensive back. Unless, and then we got a, the combine still coming. It's going to shake these things up a little bit. And unless a linebacker really tests well, I think we're going to be discussing um, one of those guys that tests really well at 33 at linebacker or one of these safeties or corner. I love the idea of Winfield because two things, versatility and what I think is the most important trait for defensive backs is do they get their hands on the ball? Can they make a play on the ball? And no one has better ball skills, I think, in this class than Antoine Winfield Jr. And he's got the pedigree, right? Oh, yeah. That's fun. This His dad is, was a crazy tackler. This is the same reason I want to draft Thaddeus Moss. 
to get to get these guys. I, I would I still want Thaddeus Moss, man. I, I watched a little bit more of him when I was watching some some Joe Burrow stuff and just he's a good player and getting his dad in the sands would be fun. So we go here in the second round, Antoine Winfield Jr. We'll recap the second round for you and get into the third round here, reset it in just a minute. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day. And we're back in round three now after taking Joe Burrow and then Antoine Winfield Jr. Jake and I kind of got distracted there. We started watching Mekhi Becton tape and then um, going over this second round here who got drafted some guys i mean some surprises right um Malik harrison get, goes at 36 that's guy i've been targeting out of ohio state in the third round he doesn't even get close a uh, couple others that i guess make sense trevon diggs we would have taken right we would have taken um ashton davis was the other safety we considered when we took winfield and then troy die goes at the end of round two also at the end of round two craziness right was uh t higgins the wide receiver from clemson goes all the way at 64 to the Seattle Seahawks. It's so late. And imagine Seattle, DK Metcalf, T. Higgins, Tyler Lockett. Stop running the ball. Oh, Set forever. Russell Wilson free. Get him that wet, man. That's just great value. Also, the Seahawks would have double dipped there with two nice picks that I like. Joshua Uchi as mm. well for the Seahawks. So Seahawks are shaping up nicely. Uh, but let's get into the third round here. We've addressed our quarterback position. Obviously, we've got a guy that can be a bit of a gadget. In the secondary, he's your he's your nickel defender, and and they can get creative with him. And as our friend friend of the show, Coach Minnick, has pointed out, Lou Anarumo likes the flexibility in these guys. But resetting at the top of the third round now, you know it's 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 skill skill players on offense, and it's it's defensive backs. Again, we're in the same position here, so we just miss out on Troy Die, Curtis Weaver, Joshua Uchi. These edge guys these athletes terrell lewis who's a guy that dave lapham has talked about quite a bit as somebody that he liked down at the senior bowl and we've got to figure out where we're going here you know where i'm targeting now more and more closer as we as we get and i'm expecting him to really blow up the combine is akeem davis gaither at the spot and uh you know out of appalachian state but there's getting more and more tape that you can put on on youtube and find clips on, on the internet and he balls out every single game and he's just a freak man and i know he's tight-hipped and i I, in terms of not when i keep i keep saying that but he is an athletic guy what i mean is his frame he doesn't look like he's going to get bigger than 225 pounds uh and that's okay if we know what we're taking he's your weak side guy and pratt's your middle linebacker and maybe a sign and of um you know tier two or tier three linebacker in free agency man, I'd love to start the draft like this where you get an Antoine Winfield and then a, and then a Davis Gaither. But will he be there in round four? I think where we sit today, we think he's going to be there in round four, but I think he's going to be the combine winner. There are three corners that I really like at the top of the board here. And then Troy Pride as well at, at, at mm-hmm. 100 on this big board. But Jalen Johnson from Utah, Bryce Hall from Virginia, Cameron Dantzler from Mississippi State. I'd be thrilled with any of them yeah. at the top of round three. I would consider the top three guys, Johnson, Hall, Dantzler, at the top of the second round. 
And a, a large part of that for me, again, going back to this point that we talked about earlier, is a positional value. And uh, when you can take a more valuable position, it's just so hard for you to talk me into Akeem Davis-Gaither unless you're telling me he's he's going to be the guy. He's going to be able to come in and start and, and be solid. And I just, being as he's a small school guy, he's, he's athletic, great. He's got He's small. It's just he's he's going to need time. I think when I watch him, he looks like Darius Leonard. And I know that's crazy because Leonard came in and was good right away, but he's also from a small school. Um, the other point I'll make here is that corner is ridiculously deep in this class. You go back to that and go look who's going to be there in the fourth round. And so, I, I mean, these are names that you're going to be like, well, of course you're going to say this, but Lamar Jackson and A.J. Green, do you want tall guys that can press and run downfield? I mean, that sounds great for boundary guys. Uh, I would take either one of them if we're talking fourth round even later. And I think this is a really – the two positions, right, wide receiver for me and corner, I think – you're going to get a really good player in round threes and round four, maybe even round five at wide receiver. So I try to hold off on those as long as I can because I'm just trying to maximize value. Uh, but you could say the same because I think we're getting in the range now where linebackers looking more and more enticing uh, as we go down the list. Yeah, and, and maybe there's an argument there for scarcity, and that's why you pull the trigger on your linebacker here. But I think that's panicking. And I think that's what's got them into the position with Billy Price, where they're like, we need a center. There's a drop-off. Our guy just went. We're going to take sure. Billy Price. And and I'm looking here at, like, the wide receivers are obviously great, and they will be good later. So I'm, mm-hmm. I, I, it's very easy to talk me off a wide receiver here. But Brandon Ayuk at the top of round three? Yeah. 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 Uh-huh. Yep. Okay. Denzel Mims at the top of round three? Yeah. I like – Bradley and I and Jonathan Grenard also as that's, edge guys. That's where I'm going next is is how about defensive line, right? Marlon sure. Davidson, great. Bradley and I, great. I'm happy. Jonathan Grenard, happy with any of those guys. And and from a from a position value perspective, I want to go to all of those guys in a draft before. where they're good before I go to linebacker. And maybe you don't get a linebacker then. But I, I know it's hard to convince me to care. Where are we at on offensive line? Do we is this the time to pull a trigger on one? Is there someone? I mean, we're looking at this list. There's not even a guy really up here besides Ben Barch, and do we yeah. want to do that again? You know, are no. we at that position where it's like, you know, if you wait too long, you're going to miss out on offensive linemen again? It's a weird draft. I mean, you you look at Natani Muti in in the top of the fourth, and you hope right because this guy's who everyone's taking, but he's fun and, and yeah, he's probably gone. He's probably a second round pick. Damian Lewis, there's your guy, Tyler Beattas. I mean, these guys have really slipped down boards, in my opinion, but maybe. I'd love Lewis in the fourth. But we're in the third, and we just went back and forth on this for longer than we could include in the podcast off air. And I think I've managed to convince Joe to go corner here. And and it kind of boils down to, do we want a guy who we think can contribute early and long-term, and it's a valuable position, or do you want a guy who, really athletic, we're linebacker thirsty, is that blinding us to the value of, of a developmental, truly a developmental linebacker in Akeem Davis-Gaither? He, you know, coming from a small school. So for me, here is Cameron Dantzler, who, very productive, uh, hardly allowed any catches, was hardly targeted. And in the SEC, I think that's a feat. He went up against, you know, the LSU and the Alabama receivers this year, and he held his own. Austin Gale of PFF had some clips today and said he reminds him of Drake Kirkpatrick with a little bit better man skills. And 
I'm talking third round. If you got Drake or Patrick in the third round, we wouldn't be mad at that at all. Yeah, I mean, that's a long-term starter, right? And if the man skills are better, maybe that means he's less grabby downfield. And and that's the reason that we don't go Jalen Johnson here is because we're 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 too shocked or shell shocked. We're too we we we're scared from the grabbiness of, of Drake or Patrick and and think that you know that indicates that there's some uh, potential uh, panic with the balls in the air, the ball skills, the ball tracking not there. And unfortunately for us, if we were trying to maximize this mock draft, uh, Akeem Davis Gaither and Damian Lewis go back to back at the end of the third round. And Adam Troutman, yeah, that's a bummer right there. That's a big um, John the Grenard also within the last few picks. That's that is a uh, murderer's row at the end of third and then the beginning of the round four. I don't know how the goddamn Chiefs pick ahead it's, of us here. It's it's because somebody's forfeited a pick, and so this is actually in the third round. Ah, I see. So yeah. it's still third round. They just yeah. it's a little error, bug yeah. in the glitch in the system. Okay, so yeah, that sucks. So let's set the table again and see where we're at. Yeah. So Troy Pride's gone. Denzel Mims is gone. Uh, who else is gone? Uh, Bradley and Nye's is, is gone. He's picked early. Bryce, all those corners we talked about got picked. And looking now here, again, running back, running back safety, there's your theme. Skill players and cornerback or, or defensive backs. Mm-hmm. So we've left ourselves in a tough position here, and we end up just looking where? We look at edge players. We look at... You know, we look at offensive line a little bit. We're not looking at wide receiver yet because at this point, they're kind of all the same sort of guy. You either have the the fast guy that's got to play in the slot or some of the bigger body guys who the Bengals feel like they probably already have in Tyler Boyd, Auden Tate. So where are we going, Joe? Yeah, it's a tough situation, I think. Um, and I, I kind of thought about the Andy Dalton tr- potential trade for a fourth round pick and what would that really bring you back it would bring you a lottery ticket of sorts and even if we had two picks here I'm not sure we would know where we're going we'd probably try to go offensive line linebacker but it just really isn't a great situation right now so we're going with edge defender so you can depending on how you look at this he's a d-end outside linebacker type uh, edge guy Kenny Willeeks or Will Eckes from Michigan State I don't know how to pronounce his last name but I first saw him at the senior bowl he made a lot of splash plays. Um, I remember Jordan Reed talking about him, saying he was a uh, a walk-on. So he's a zero-star recruit. And over the years now, he started for three years, 13 games each year at Michigan State, uh, accumulating 228 total tackles, 49 tackles for a loss, and 23 and a half sacks. He's going to get good production numbers. I don't think he's going to test really well, uh, but effort is unmatched. And he's just another effort guy to bring on, probably a poor man, Sam Hubbard. And I think that's okay because the Bengals could uh, always use a little bit more of those. Reminds me of the Ryan Glasgow pick in the fourth round also. Yeah, if you get a guy that has a motor that will never end, a guy that's always exceeded expectations, has produced in the Big Ten, you can feel reasonably good about that pick in the fourth round. So now we're here in the fifth round, and... I want to go to a wide receiver here, maybe to a tight end, Harrison Bryant from FAU sitting here. And mm-hmm. I know you got to see him at the Senior Bowl. Uh, who else are we looking at here in the fifth round as we round out this episode of Mock Draft Monday, Joe? You know who caught my name on the first uh, part of this page right here is Devin Duvernay, wide receiver from Texas. And he's a smaller, faster guy. Uh, but I believe he dropped one pass, one catchable target. And his hands are really, really good for a small guy. It's like, you know, I don't think he's as explosive as John Ross, obviously. But getting someone that can stretch the field and not drop passes would be ideal for this receiver core to help round it out. 
And I am very easily sold on a fast receiver with good hands. So we go Devin Duvernay to round things out. And we will get to a summary here. And this one, Joe, I I feel like we wouldn't be feeling necessarily great about the immediate prospects of this draft in terms of making the Bengals better outside of the quarterback position in 2020. So we go Joe Burrow in the first round. We come back Antoine Winfield Jr. in the second round. And this is where things already kind of set us up for some some difficulty later. So mm-hmm. maybe this is uh, this is what happens when you try to draft valuable positions. They're 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 going to be maybe harder to to accumulate. But on the other hand, you know, it was the guys that we wanted at the less valuable positions, like linebacker, that go earlier. So we're in a different valuation paradigm than the rest of the NFL, maybe. Yeah, you're right. And I think attacking some of the more valuable positions ended up being that the when we wanted to come back to the lesser value, which just wasn't there on day three. So that's okay because it's okay to have a draft like this if you attack free agency, right? What are we saying? Guard linebacker. You go out and you sign a guard linebacker. Well, that's okay that we didn't draft one. Yeah. It, it's it's kind of shocking when you look at it before the free agent period. But, you know, if the draft was before free agency, you would know exactly where you need to hit it. Exactly. So if you have this draft, just to, to wrap things up, Cameron Dantzler from Mississippi State, the cornerback in the third round, Kenny Willekes, Willekes, sure. Willekes in the fourth round from Michigan State. I'm going to settle on Willekes. And then Devin Duvernay, the wide receiver from Texas in the fifth round. You have this draft and you're like, okay, I know exactly right, Joe. I need to go break the bank for Joe Tooney mm-hmm. and I need to go break the bank for Corey Littleton or Joe Schobert sure. or one of those guys. And I need, those are my two big splash signings. And, and, and then I, I feel good. Then I feel great about the secondary, the future of the secondary after this draft. I feel really good about that. Oh yeah. You feel like it could be a top unit. Uh, you're getting a, another starting safety. Remember Sean Williams is going to help at linebacker a little bit now. Cause we got another safety. Uh, so, th- I mean, that's kind of a, a little bonus there. Uh, you get more athletic. You get more versatility on the back half. That's kind of what we want. We get some ball skills, too, back there with Winfield. So you're building a couple of positions. So on the defense now, you're saying, okay, the, the defensive line is really going to be good this year. We're finally mm-hmm. going to think they're going to be good, and then they're going to be good. And then at linebacker, you know, they, they figure it out with Nick Vigil and, or, or somebody else from free agency. But now our secondary is built up. We don't have to rely on Drake Kirkpatrick, who coming off an injury, you don't know what you're going to get on the wrong side of 30. You don't know if Dark Bernard is going to be back. You don't know what you're going to get out of the young Darius Phillips. So instead, you add some talent to the mix there, and then you feel good about the secondary. But Joe's 100% right. This sort of draft requires you to play in free agency. And it's also an example of if they do get those guys in free agency that can start right away, this is what you can do. You can build the core of what mm-hmm. could be an elite secondary in the future. You can turn a solid secondary into a really good one. You can turn a solid defensive line, add another piece to it, right? You can turn a good wide receiver unit and add another piece to it. I mean, that's kind of the idea. You turn your your good units into strengths of the team. Yeah, you're also looking, always worth noting with, with drafts, you're not looking for any of these guys to be world beaters in year one. It, it, it just, it's very rare. And we need to always keep that expectation in mind. 
That will do it, though, for this episode of Mock Draft Monday. We are separated by work schedules for the rest of the week, but we will be getting into free agency in a little bit more depth. You got the primer from Joe yesterday, so if you missed that, go check it out in terms of realistic targets, I think, for the Bengals. But we're going to go through. We've, we've got some other teams to go through here as we construct our top 50 Bengals free agents list that we'll hopefully complete before free agency opens. So we'll continue to work our way toward that goal this week and until then Bengals fans have a good one is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements maybe it's time for a rebuild or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi trophy either way join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for mock draft Monday on the locked on NFL draft podcast they'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL draft Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day.